It's good to see uh, all that made it today, and as you can tell, in front of us we have the Lord's Supper that we're going to be observing as well here uh, this morning, and uh, we want to take the time, make sure we have a good understanding about everything that we have in regards to the two ordinances that this church practices. There are only two ordinances, we believe, and uh, we are not Catholic in any stretch of the imagination, so we don't hold to any kind of form of sacrament, and uh, these being dependent upon our salvation. With that said in mind, I'd like for us to take our Bibles this morning, and let's go to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, and we're going to go down to chapter 26. Now we're going to use this this morning also as we are getting ready for the Lord's Supper. But I think it's time that we really spend a lot of interesting moments that we can spend around the Word of God to understand as much as possibly within us, and I'm not sure we'll get through the entire sermon today, but we'll try, in regards to the Lord's Supper and how that fills in for our um, observance, making sure that we do what's right. So in Matthew chapter 26, we're going to go down to verse 19. And we'll read together. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, it is he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, and the same betrayeth me. And the Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And they were eating, and Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it unto them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many in the, for the remission of sins. But I say unto you that I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Jesus saith, Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. It is uh, not this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that you show upon us, and Lord, for the opportunity to observe as we feel is required for us to be in remembrance of this crucifixion that Jesus Christ alone had performed for our benefit. Lord, that when we think about the crushing of the body, the spilt blood that was upon the ground, and everything, Father, that it was there for us that these things were done. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful unto all that you give us. Help us, dear Father, to be uh, rewarded, be, be the words of those things which you have given us responsibility to do, that we might take the word of God and that we might share it completely. Thank you, Lord, for laying this sermon upon our heart. 
and help us, dear Father, to do all things according to thy great will. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to do my dead-level best not to rush through this message, but I want us to have a complete understanding of why we observe the Lord's Supper the way that we do. Now, we try to follow along the uh, same pathway that Jesus Christ had uh, also initiated it. Now, there are some things where uh, we may not be uh, exactly in the same procedure, but as a church, now understand this, as a church, we can make deviations a little bit as long as it's within the context of Scripture. We cannot vary on the elements. We cannot vary on the observance. But what we do outside of that observance, we can enjoy it. In fact, uh, the German Baptists are very common to know that they will take one cup and they all drink from one cup. We have one cup, but we have divided that wine so that many people can enjoy that one cup of wine together. So there are many things that we do understand in regards to the wine, how it's supposed to be used, and everything that's there with it as well. Now, with that being said, I want us to consider a little bit about something that's become more popular. I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, according to the Gospel of John, let's go over there just for a moment. In John chapter 13, we're going to be returning right back here to Matthew chapter 26. But in the Gospel of John chapter 13, we have what I believe is the Lord's Supper also being advanced to us, and we have it before us in our writing. Now understand that this does not mention the Lord's Supper in any way or fashion. However, everything about it does appear that it is about the Lord's Supper and the things that we read. So in verse 21 of chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, when Jesus said, thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I send to you that one shall betray me. Now understand this. When Jesus had spoken to all the apostles, he said, You shall flee from me tonight because you are going to be you know, challenged by your faith. You're going to be exceptional in the things that you see and do. But only one is set to betray me. Look what else it says. And the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Once again, they doubted the word of Christ. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it was uh, whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is uh, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Now that's an indication right there that the man did not believe that, like the others that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of God. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had sent unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Now, once again, this was an immediate application. 
Now, there are many churches that they, they separate John chapter 13, and they said that it isn't, uh, really this isn't about the Lord's Supper. This was another event. I personally believe that this was the Lord's Supper because the things that are written are directly in correlation with the things that are written in Matthew chapter 26. Okay? Not only that, I believe that Judas was not at the Lord's Supper. Now, this is my own personal belief. Now, others can disagree with me. That's okay. But I do not believe that he was at the Lord's Supper because the fact is of what we read in John chapter 13. Now, there's another reason that I bring you to John chapter 13. This is the only account that we have where Jesus removed his clothing, strapped on, if you will, a towel, and went and washed the apostles' feet. This has led to many people practicing foot washing. Now, understand this. If people have dirty feet, go ahead and wash them. I mean, I don't care. It is not an ordinance, nor is it a practice, that we as a church need to observe but understand this, this was a Jewish custom. Because the fact is, is that when people had been walking around in sandals, their feet were dirty, their feet were tired. And one of the things that was very common was there to be a servant that would wash their feet. This has nothing to do with us. However, and I bring this to your attention, and we'll hold our place here because we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 26. One of the things that we are seeing creep into our congregations more and more and more is the Seder Feast. S-E-D-E-R, Seder Feast, or Seder, however you want to pronounce it. The reality is, is the, the Seder Feast is really a feast that goes in and explains all that the Jews had accompanied. Now, they would have a plate where that they enjoyed the lamb. They had the bitter herbs. They had some other uh, horseradish, things like that, that they added. And so this was an observance that occurred. The reality is, is that the Seder feast, there was two elements. And I love what one uh, man had pointed out. He said there's only two, or there's only three things that we should really observe from the Passover if we want to. Number one, the bitter herbs, the sacrificial lamb, and lastly, but not least, would be also the wine. Those are the only three elements that had anything to do with it. When you go down to the practice, the Lord removed the, the unleavened bread that was also at the Lord's table, or at the Seder feast, and he took the wine and he said, these two elements, the old covenant is done away, the new covenant is now in place. So why is it that we practice, as much as we do, the things that we see in regards to the Seder feast, or why is it that there are so many people that think that this is necessary? Because in many ways, they feel like this is a way to educate those on how the practice is. Now, understand this. Many years ago, I, I took people and I said, I want you to understand, there were a lot of fat Jews. There were a lot of people that they enjoyed the food. And, and for instance, how many of you all know that hummus is actually a Jewish food? They would, they would take and they would take chickpeas and they would create a hummus, if you will. They also eat a lot of lamb, a lot of goat. They eat a lot of beef. They don't eat pork. And, but again, uh, you know, what was funny is many years ago, I worked for a little company called Pillsbury. You might have heard of them. They got a little fat guy that they go press in the belly and goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. Anyway, so uh, that's one of the things that we found there. 
and we would make Jewish pizzas. Now, that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Now, you could have a beef pizza, and you could have a cheese pizza, but you could not have a beef and cheese pizza. And the reason that you couldn't have a beef and cheese pizza is because they took their old Meseret Jew application of the, the, the calf drinking the milk, you know, seriously. And so by putting cheese on beef, we were breaking a law of God. Now, once again, this was all, all in Jewish application. If you wanted to buy a cheese pizza and you wanted to buy a beef pizza and put the two together and eat them yourself, you could. But you cannot do it through normal means. The only way that we can actually understand the picture of what goes on in the Lord's Supper is found in the book of Exodus chapter 12. Let's go back over there for just a moment. And in Exodus chapter 12, we begin to see the requirement that was made and all of the book of Exodus chapter 12 is always pointing towards Christ. There was no saving grace in any of the things that we are seeing today. This was for deliverance. And yet the whole time the Lord made sure that everybody understood what this deliverance was all about. Let's look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. One of the things that I try to tell children is that we used to model, and the Gregorian as well as the Julian calendars, we used to model after this plan. And the beginning of our month used to be in the month of April, which surprisingly follows the month of Abib, which is in the Jerusalem uh, belief as well, or in the Jude Judaism belief. And so the reality is, is that spring was always the beginning. kind of makes sense. It does. It really makes sense. Because if you think about it, spring was literally a time to where we recognize life. And yet, this is all about death. The month of September is the, the beginning of fall. And we can go back all the way to the month of May, and that was the beginning of, or the end of spring. Or, uh, the, excuse me, the beginning of spring. So we found all of these things that were there. The reality is, is that when we begin to see things from God's perspective, everything has an order to it. So look what it says. Speak, verse 3, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month, they shall take to them every man of lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the house will be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of his souls, every man according to his eating, and you shall take count for the lamb. Now understand this. They wanted nothing to go to waste. And so every house, if it was a large house, they could consume an entire lamb. But if it was two small houses, they would probably take uh, one lamb and they would all enjoy this feast together. And there was a purpose behind it. How many of you all noticed that the lamb was separated for ten days? Now there was a purpose behind it. And how many of you all know that the account of Jesus' life, as he marched towards that time that he would be crucified upon the cross, he too had this same ten-day pattern to where that he would be examined. 
I'll give you an example. At the end where Jesus had resurrected Lazarus, it says right in the next verse in chapter 12 of the Gospel of John, six days prior to Passover. So Jesus Christ was also going to be mirroring this same sacrificial lamb that was going to occur. So you go the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, five days. And so there was be an observance over this lamb. Now this lamb had to be without spot, had to be without blemish, but it also had to have the mental faculty to be able to handle the separation and the challenges that would occur to it. If anyone has ever raised cattle, if anyone has ever raised sheep, you know, they don't like being alone. They're not a lonely creature. But for this to be a creature that had that would meet the requirements of the sacrifice, they had to be separated for ten days. Look what else it says. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, meaning that it is the first lamb that is born to a hue lamb. Or to, you know, and when you take a look at the ewe, that means that this is going to be a special picture of Jesus Christ as well. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, in other words, the, the lost or the saints. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Notice again, there would be a responsibility that everyone would kill it and that the blood would be captured. When the blood was captured, it had to be anointed in the right place. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house, or houses wherein you shall eat it. Now, there's a lot of people that they speculate. Was Jesus Christ crucified like this? Was Jesus Christ crucified like this? We are not sure which way the cross was. However, the depiction of the separation of his hands being separated like this, and the blood that would be on the doorpost, which would be about head high, and the blood that would be down upon the ground because of the doorpost striking, would literally give an indication that Jesus Christ would be crucified like this. Now, I'm just going to be serious. I don't know, but that's by all the indications that I see. And thou shalt eat of the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs thou shalt eat it. Notice again, there's the requirement of what they are to eat as they prepare for the upcoming journey. Look what else it says. Let's look at verse 8 again. And they shall eat of the flesh, there's the lamb, roast with fire, of which it was going to be thoroughly roasted. Unleavened bread was going to be aided with it and with bitter herbs. In other words, herbs that they would have to eat with the lamb. This was not mint jelly. This was going to be the bitterness as a reminder that it was going to take a bitter cost for their, uh, their deliverance. And the same token, when Jesus Christ partook of the, the, the Last Supper, if you will, and many times that's the way it's referred to as the Last Supper, when Jesus ate of the Seder meal, he would have eaten of the bitter herbs, he would have eaten of the lamb, he would have eaten of the unleavened bread, and he would have washed it down with the wine. Why did he do that? To say, this covenant is now ended. Now please understand that. This covenant is now ended. This is it. This is finished. How many of you all noticed that 
the, the thing that was actually added in the scripture in John, according to John chapter 13, that they said they thought Jesus had said to, to Judas, go out and buy the things that we have in need of Passover. How many of you noticed that? This would have been the day before or two days before Passover. And now how do I know that? Because there was no restrictions and they could exit into the, the area, to the garden, by singing the hymn. And as they exited, there was no fear or that was going to occur. Understand this, on the day of Passover observance, nobody left their homes. No one left their homes. And if you also remember, when the, when the day before Passover was to occur, the priest went to Jesus, or went to the high priest and said, this man has claimed that, you know, that he is Christ. We need to make sure that all these men are dead. And so, if you will, make sure they're dead at this moment. When they came to the first man, they broke his legs, which would have quickened the death process. They went to the second man, they broke his legs, which would have quickened the death process. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. To prove it, they took the spear and they thrust it up through his side, into his heart, and out poured blood and water. Again, this is the indication that he was completely dead. Then, as he hung upon the cross, Joseph of Arimathea went and he begged for the body of Jesus, and there they preserved him, wrapped him, used the, all the ornaments and everything, and then buried him into what you call the borrowed tomb. Now, all of this is fact. All of this is Jesus now, why did I bring all this up? Because you see, the Seder meal is a foot washing. Now, think about that for a moment. Now, if it helps you to understand it, there are many churches that they refuse to have the Lord's Supper until they have the Seder meal. Now, I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but it's not an ordinance. If it helps you with your understanding, then enjoy it. But you'll also notice that a lot of the Christians have only the lamb bone. Why do they only have a lamb bone? That's not really a depiction of what a Seder meal was about. Well, we do that to remind us that Jesus Christ has paid the price. But may I point this out to you? If we start worshiping the Seder observance, the Seder meal, then we're really no better than anyone else who wants a foot washing. Now just think about it. Reality is, is this is neither popular nor is it acceptable in many generations. Many, many times ago, uh, when I was pastoring in, uh, uh, in California, I wanted to show the people that there was a lot of foods that the Jews enjoyed that we enjoy as well. One of the ways that we did that is I, I just brought out different foods. How many of y'all know that figs were a commonplace food that was there. Fig Newtons would be very much accepted if they had had the process. There were dates. Dates are going to be pretty much dried prunes. And they are regular. All right, we also had grapes. We had, there was the wine. There was the, the red wine. And there was the table wine. And we went through all the different ones. They ate a lot of honey. Most of the time, they even ate in, uh, leavened bread. Leavened. 
But it was only during the observance of the Passover that they had unleavened bread. In other words, it would be very much like a soda cracker, like what we're going to enjoy as well here today. And I told the people, I said, there are so many different foods, and surprisingly, there was one lady who said, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. I said, what do you like? She said, I like chicken. And, you know, the reality is, I said, so you only raise your child on chicken or things like that? You know, to each their own. But I tried to explain to people that there were many foods that the Jewish people enjoyed as much as we do. Now, I enjoy also pork. How many of you all enjoy shrimp? How many of you like catfish? Do you realize that those were foods that the Jews could not eat? Why? because they were bottom dwellers. They literally ate the waste that was on the ground. I'm sorry, but that's just a reality. Now, with that in mind, I want us to go back, if you will, and let's examine one more time the things that we find in regards to the Passover. Let's go back over to uh, chapter 26 of the book of Matthew. So when Jesus ate the Passover meal, once again, I want you to see this to make sure we got it. In verse 20, it says, And when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, what were they eating? They were eating what we call the Seder feast. They were eating the lamb. They were eating the bitter herbs. They were eating all the things that would be required during the Passover. But it was during this time that he also stated, one person amongst you all is more guilty because he has betrayed me. Look what it says in verse 21. And as they did eat, he said, Verily, this is a truism. Truly, I say unto you, that one of you shall... Now that's just a cold reality. You're going to betray me. Why then is that going to be so important for us? Because the Lord made sure that this table was going to be preserved and it wasn't... Now, please understand this. Now, I... Jesus and the eleven, not Jesus and the twelve that observed the Lord's Supper. Because this was something that was going to be important. That would be later on... Now, how do I know that? Again, hold your place here, and let's go to 1 Corinthians <coughs> chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's go down to verse 28. Well, we can go back to verse 27, if you will, to make sure that we have a complete understanding. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Now, once again, this is after the observance. If we are to understand the responsibility of the church, then we have to understand this fulfillment right here. Look at what it says in verse 28. And God has set some in the church. Do you Now, if you're here today and you believe that the church started on Pentecost, I'm going to correct you. It is not started on Pentecost, but that which existed had an addition. 
there were 3,000 souls added to the church. I remember this is that one time I had the, the, uh, the distinction of Acts chapter 1, and I want you to go back there if you will. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had been ascended up from these men, they had to return back to Jerusalem, a day's journey. That's all they were allowed to go. Now notice again that as they went into uh, this, particular one, this particular place, there was a responsibility of the church to meet together to select a replacement for Judas. Look at verse 12. And they returned into Jerusalem from the Mount of, uh, called Olivet, from which is Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey, about a mile. That's as far as they could travel. And when they were come in, they went up to the upper room, where both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, the son, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. Now this may surprise you, but James and Judas, at this time, these are the brothers of Christ. There's two of the brothers, all right? These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Now, let me ask you this. Was the congregation 12, or was the congregation 120? I don't know. I've heard arguments on both sides. But the reality is, is that I truly believe that what you see here at this particular time is the church in its infancy, and I believe that it's 120. And here's my reason for it. Remember this, is that the apostles had to select a replacement to replace Judas Iscariot. We're not going to replace it with a non-member. And that's my own thoughts. Let's see if I'm not right on that. Verse 21. Wherefore these men which have accompanied us in the time of the Lord Jesus went out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John. Boy, that's going to be so important. And guess what we're going to be doing on our next service? We're going to be talking about the baptism and how important that is. Until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be witness with us of the resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And when they had prayed and said, Thou, Lord, hast known the, the hearts of men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry, again, the responsibility, the apostleship, meaning the membership of the church, from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place and they gave forth their, their uh, lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, am I wrong? I don't know. I'll ask Jesus when I get there if I haven't figured it out by then. So the reality is is that the apostles were now together and they were preaching the word of God. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 26 one more time. And in Matthew chapter 26, as I stated, the Lord protected this table and made sure that everything was done correctly. So before instituting the Lord's Supper, he made sure that this was going to be observed by the people that were communion, meaning that we only allow this church to do it, is because it's scriptural. 
please understand this. I've had people that they said, well, we practice a close communion. In other words, as long as you're Baptist, you can enjoy it. That's not even scriptural. That means that we still are believing a universal congregation. We do not hold to a universal congregation. We believe in an open communion. In other words, anybody who's saved can come in. Uh, once again, this is not the order of Scripture. Now, it's not popular. I understand it's not popular. Please get this, you know, that, that our position is not popular. And I want to stop there just for a moment. And, and I know we've got time to, to address this. But it's interesting that people want to come to a church and the first argument they have is that, well, you're saying I'm not good enough. You're saying my baptism's not good enough. You're saying that I'm not worthy. I'm not saying any of those things. You want to observe the Lord's Supper? Go to your home church and observe it. You want to observe it with us? Then first of all, there is an order of things to be done. You need to be a member of this local New Testament church. And not only that, when you come to be a member of this local New Testament church, you are still not allowed to observe the Lord's Supper until we receive a letter and you've been extended the right hand of fellowship. Now understand this. When we get into baptism, there's going to be an order of things that need to be done that everybody will have a complete understanding with. Here's the next thing. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we make sure that everybody one of the things that I point out to a lot of these men, or especially our two deacons, I will hand the bread over to at least one of the deacons who will serve you all. And as we wait upon him to serve, I will say, protect the Lord's Supper. And here's the reason why. We know who the membership is. Everyone that's here today is a member of the local New Testament church, this local New Testament church. And so as everyone is in observance, everyone gets to partake of the bread that's going to be offered. But it's still, it's going to be a responsibility of one of our deacons to make sure that the, the, the table is protected. Number two, protect the wine. When I say then with the blessing upon the wine, and I say distribute it as, as, as many as that are here, and make sure that we are protecting the Lord's table. That's exactly what the Lord did. He protected his table. He sent out Judas Iscariot, and he said, This now How many of you know that? You know, so many times people will say, Well, you know, what do I you have to be a member of this local New Testament church. And for people to say that they want to be a part of this church, well, then you don't really want to observe the Lord's Supper with us either. Yeah, but I, I, I really am I'm going to escape a blessing. No, you're not. There are people all over this planet that are a blessing to me that have never partaken of the Lord's Supper with me. Now think about that. I'm not trying to hinder you in one little bit. If your church is not observing it right, then you need to talk to your church pastor about it. I want to show you one other thing. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the few minutes we have left, let's make sure we have this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, there are so many things that are there. But I want us to look at particular what the Apostle Paul Right to a church that is making a blunder 
of the Lord's Supper. And I see this all the time with so many churches. Number one, are we being too ritualistic? I don't think so. I think we want to instill it into the minds of everybody that observes the Lord's Supper, how quick it is, how needful it is, and that we do these things correct and in order. Now, in verse 19, For there must also be heresies among you, that which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore... In other words, once again, let's say that uh, I divide this congregation. I have uh, Joe, Jamie, Greg, uh, Brother Randy, Sister Brenda, and I only invite them over to my house. I'm going, you know what would be great? Let's enjoy the Lord's Supper together. Is that the right place? Well, that's exactly what these people were doing. They were not in the confines of the congregation. It was not the appointed time. It was not as it had been voted upon. And when you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before others his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. In other words, you're already making a muddle of it. What? Have you not houses to eat or drink in, or despise ye the church of God? Once again, this is addressed to the congregation. Are you despising the body? Now let me just stop here just for a moment. As a body, we should be in total unity together. That's one of the reasons that I, I preach so often. If I have offended anyone, please forgive me. It's not my intent to be offensive. Now, if you find what I'm preaching today is offensive, I can't help you. Because once again, you have to prove that I'm wrong in Scripture. But the reality is, is I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but there are so many people that they will respond by saying, is you're incorrect in your belief. Well, just keep that between you and me. I still have to pastor this church. In everything that I've read to you, I believe and I practice it. Look what else it says in verse 22 again. What have you not housed to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God? What? And shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Again, I realize that our time is running to a quick end. But let me say this to you. Many years ago, I had a responsibility, and I, and I had the opportunity to visit our, the churches that were already organized in Malawi, Africa. The, at the moment, the people were still not given over to giving tithes and offerings. Now, understand, there's an order. Man, there is an order to everything. So you can say, well, I need to order wine, or I need to get wine. Well, when there's no money in the coffers, there's no place to buy wine. And so I, I, I listened to what the missionary had to say, and he goes, if you want this sacrificial wine, or if you want this, this uh, wine, which is Mogan David, or you know, something that's going to be uh, more kosher, if you will, in variety, then I will give you the opportunity to earn it. Do you know that they didn't want to earn it? So the fact of the matter is, because alcoholism is still so huge in Malawi, many times a bottle of wine would not last very long because people would consume it out their gourd. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. 
But may I point this out to you, the responsibility of even getting the wine belongs to the church. Not to the pastor, but to the membership. We may vote to have a deacon go buy it. We may vote to have a member go buy it. Once again, it's not just the pastor that has to go in and be uh, into the local winery or whatever and say we need a, a sacrificial wine. We need to make sure that everything is in order. But let me stop here for one more time. We've got just enough time to do this. When you come together, what sin is harboring in your mind? Let's go on down, if you will. In verse 28, it says, but let a man examine himself, meaning men and women. Now, I've asked you to forgive me. But, you know, the reality is, is that I've had so many people that have not asked for forgiveness. But am I willing to give, extend forgiveness to them in order to have peace in the Lord's Supper? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Because I have sinned and you all have received me as pastor. Man, that's great. And I need to have the boldness to come to you and say, Lord, I want to do that which is right and holy in your sight. As I stated, we have to observe, it's time for us to observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're going to shut off the cameras, but let's go ahead and we'll ask the Lord to dismiss us in prayer. Father, again, thank you for this time that we've had together. Now guide us and bless and keep us. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Once again, we'll get everything ready for